1: Another episode of There's Still Time, the AFT and Soccer Show. This is episode 387, and I'm your host, Michael McCall. Thanks for joining us again in these troubled times, and hopefully, over the next two hours, we'll give you a little bit of entertainment just to take your mind off all the happenings that's going on in the outside world, because I think we all need that just now. As I mentioned last week, we plan to do these shows every week as normal. Because we all need some normality in our lives, and it's an escape for me, it's an escape for you, hopefully, as well. As regular listeners will know, we usually record these shows live from the CITR studios up at the University of British Columbia. But like most things just now, the studios are closed. So what I've decided to do is we're going to record the new episodes as normal on a Sunday bring them out as normal as a podcast on the Monday. But because we want to kind of keep things as up-to-date as possible, by recording them on the Sunday, it's not enough time for us to get it into the CITR system, so they'll be aired on the radio the following Sunday. So as this podcast comes out on Monday, March 23rd, it'll then be aired on CITR, 101.9 FM, on Sunday, March 29th. But we're not letting the lack of football stop us from having another patch show, And that's what we're going to bring you again tonight A lot of good stuff coming up We're going to be joined in part 2 by Atletico Ottawa's first ever signing, Ben Fisk We've got part 2 of our weekly, periodic football drama Football Violence Awareness Month continues We have a chat with Whitecap centre-back Jasser Kimiri And in the final part of the show, we're going to talk football manager With an aficionado of the game, Returo We're going to kick things off in this part with a round-up of the latest news from the world of football and how COVID-19, the coronavirus, is affecting things. As I talked about, I want this to kind of be an escape for everyone, so we're not wanting to talk too much about the virus itself. Did that last week. As far as I'm concerned, all anyone really needs to say about it in shows like this just now is Everyone, be sensible, look after each other, don't hoard food, don't panic buy. Wash your hands, cover your nose when you sneeze, cover your mouth when you cough and if you have to go outside, keep your distance, two metres apart. Don't be stupid, don't congregate in crowds, don't put anyone else at risk. You might be a young person that feels you're not going to get this but think of the knock-on effect. If you get it, you take it to your family, you give it to workmates, you give it to elderly people. Everyone just needs to be sensible just now and We're not seeing a lot of it around the world, sadly. I hope in the coming week that is going to change because things are just changing so rapidly right now in the world, in the world of football, that who knows what we'll be talking about in a week's time. But that's all I really want to talk about, about the coronavirus itself in this show. The rest of tonight's show is going to be all about football. And in this first part, Unfortunately, we do have to look at the knock-on effect of the virus, the impact it has had on the world game. Leagues around the world, including here in North America, severely disrupted by this. Right now, it is hard to see how we're going to actually get out of this. But to talk about some of these things and just what some of the latest leagues around the world have announced, delighted to welcome host of the AFTN preview podcast, Joe Deasy. What's it been like for you, quarantined with a wife and a young baby?
2: Not bad. It turns out we get along quite well with us.
1: That's a good thing, because yeah. I'm waiting till my wife has to work from home to see how that works for us. But so far, things are good.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm working from home now, full time. Did a little little bit of that already before the quarantine, so kind of know the know the routine. But uh, yeah, interesting times ahead.
1: What kind of football things have you been doing to, to occupy yourself?
2: A ton of um, a ton of football manager um, is what I would uh, prescribe anyone who's in this situation. And actually, the zones highlights on YouTube have seen me through a lot. They have those like old goals, like the best of best of whatever 2007, 2008, kind of uh, 20-minute videos have been seeing me through the, the hard times. And uh, I'm almost at the stage now where I'm going to look up you know, old World Cup games that I remember fondly. And even though I know the score, I just watched them from start to finish. I think I might start with, like, Germany 5, England 1. I think that was 2010. And then maybe Ireland 1, Germany 1 in 2002. To work my way through that list. And we'll see how far I get.
1: Excellent. Yeah, I've got a load of, like, best of World Cup highlight videos on VHS. i still got VHS players. I'm going to dig those out. I I actually, on YouTube, the only... Old kind of game I've watched recently was Ireland England, the abandoned game with all the football violence.
0: Oh yeah,
2: yeah. Um, very <laughs> much for off the pitch reasons, that would be an interesting, interesting one to
1: watch. It been, it was fascinating. It ties in nicely with football violence awareness month, so that's obviously that was my main reason for doing it. <laughs>
2: Not the best part of the um, history between the two nations, I would say.
1: No, I remember watching it at the time and it was like, yeah, crazy. But as I said, as we kicked off the show, we're keeping all the virus chat to a minimum. But we do want to talk about the football. And obviously the, the coronavirus has had a, a big impact on leagues around the world. It looks like pretty much everyone has stopped playing now. Although there was a live Russian amateur non-league game on YouTube last night at midnight with English commentary.
2: Yeah, anything to stop, to scratch the itch.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was one of 33 people watching.
2: Okay, I, I expect more from uh, the online community. Weren't the non-league still playing until quite recently too?
1: Yeah, they played last weekend, but they've now made the decision, because we're getting 5,000 folk at the game, so it's like they've now made the decision that that's that stopped. Yeah,
2: well, you know, a good substitute for that football
1: manager go go to the non-league because it's it's tremendous out there we're going to be speaking to returo in in part four so he's going to be talking a, a lot about that so let's kind of start off our, our roundup of the leagues over in europe then uefa have been busy they've they've now postponed euro 20 till 2021 but still going to be called euro 20 but the, the quali- last qualifiers for the Nation League, which Scotland are part of, Ireland's part of, or, or are they? Northern Ireland is. Is Ireland...
2: Ireland... Ireland are part of it too, I think.
1: So, I mean, they've been only postponed just now till June, but at least they're going to have time to get those games in. But clearly the, the right decision to, to push that back to next year.
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, I was really looking forward to that tournament this summer. Because after... I, I think it, it, it alternates nicely. You know, you have... Uh, a summer off, then a big tournament every year. So it looks like we're going to have to have two summers in a row without a big tournament. Even like the Confederations Cup and things like that, will probably have to get pushed back or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it'll be a, a domino effect of sorts. We're going to have to see how these uh, these uh, confederations sort out there. I think. I think. You know what? I think what could happen is, like FIFA will set out some guidelines or something on how all your leagues are supposed to finish up. And people should follow it that way. Otherwise, it's just going to be a mishmash all
1: over the place. Well, that's the crazy thing. Because, I mean, in Europe, the, the leagues have all sort of stopped. You've got, in Scotland, the the first league that I've heard of, which is non-league, the Highland League, they've just said, look, we know this isn't going to finish any time soon. Their leaders, Brora Rangers, were ahead by 13 points with six games to go. So they've like, look, just call it. All the clubs agreed. They've won the league. In the rest of the Scottish League, obviously, Celtic want to be given the title because they're 13 points ahead. Rangers are like, no, we have to finish the, the season. Hearts would be relegated if things stood as they were, so they're threatening legal action. And it might actually force league reconstruction in Scotland, which is a, a great thing. In England, the Premier League is suspended until April 30th. But I was reading a thing on BC this morning. The Southampton CEO said that... The government's been in talk with football officials and they may get given the green light to come back and play before all the restrictions have been lifted. Because the feeling is if they have football on the TV every day, that's going to cheer the mood of the nation up.
2: That makes, that makes sense politically. I don't think from a public um, health point of view, it works quite so well. Like we're hearing more and more now every day. Of players who have tested positive, and obviously because these are people who are in, are you know, in the top one percent of physical shape, they don't show much, many symptoms, right? But you have to, you have to think of, you know, just just as a, just as an example, Roy Hodgson is seventy-two or something like that. Yeah. Imagine if he got the virus from, um, you know, running into Kevin De Bruyne by accident or something like that. Like. It's it's not it wouldn't be wise in my opinion, and and the managers in particular, or the backroom staff, would be the people more vulnerable than the players. There's no safe way to address that until any kind of ban has been lifted, where the government feel like it's safe enough to proceed as we as we did a few weeks ago.
1: Yeah, I mean, you also have to to wonder about. We saw it in the European games; the fans congregating outside the stadium. Yeah, and it, it just takes one player then to have it. And it's like the whole thing's then disrupted again. And then how long do you do, you do quarantine for? I mean, there, there's no easy answer. And I, I agree with you. I think this will end up being a FIFA directive and okay. whether they end up doing something like a points average, which is what Celtic's Neil Lennon suggested. I mean, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. The, the, the bugger of a thing in Scotland is they're talking of league reconstruction and moving four teams up from each division which would mean East 5 lost the last game before they stopped play and they fell out of the top four. And it's like we would lose promotion because of that. So that that would be tough, but... Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: No, and like, even like Man United now are fifth place. Um, if the City Champions League ban somehow gets overturned, like United were looking really good before everything
1: stopped, right? I think they were yeah, games on hitting games their stride. And, yeah, so I don't know.
2: I... It's hard to feel. It's hard to feel sorry for people when there's literally nothing that anyone could have done in a footballing sense to, to mitigate this. It's very much about damage control. Being a United fan, I think the uh, Premier League title should be vacant this year, and we just start over again. <laughs> um, but
0: that's just my opinion.
1: <laughs> I think there's possibly a lot of folk that, that are going to feel that way. But I mean, it, it's interesting because you've got players' contracts as well that expire on June thirtieth.
2: Yeah, it, it kind of is a, a, a looming date that so you kind of want everything to be sorted out by. It, I, I think it's more difficult for leagues that are finishing up, like the European league. And actually, speaking about like outside of England, German league has a title race, which it hasn't had in years, right? We yeah. don't really know what the conclusion of that is. Um, Italy too, right? Like Juventus are under heavy pressure from like Lazio and Inter to win the league, and um, you know the barcelona real madrid thing is is uh, as as uh, competitive as it ever was so like we're kind of being denied of this of the final act of a play but again who, we can't blame anyone it's just it's way bigger than football it's just a small small complaint relative to what's going on in the world
1: yeah i mean i think in a lot of ways football could even come out of this in a, in a better shape if they do Delay the leagues and they still play them to a finish And then delay the start of the next one And get in a different schedule to tie in with the next World Cup All those kind yeah. of things
0: Yeah, Rooney, Rooney was saying that, wasn't he? Yeah,
1: I mean, he's had a lot of sense in this I would never have thought that
2: I, I, He was the first person I, I heard suggest that maybe, maybe there were other people before that But it, it makes a ton of sense Especially with the scheduling of the uh, World Cup 2020 The thing for the European teams, though Is that they'll have two tournaments back-to-back The players won't get any break unless they reschedule the league somehow or expand the winter break
1: or something. Concessions will have to be made, that much is clear. Turning our attention now to this continent, and obviously it's hit hard in North America, MLS, the training moratorium, is now until March 27th, but they're just going to keep extending that, obviously, for obvious reasons, because you've had a backroom staff member at NYCFC test positive now as well. So once it starts getting into the community, they're going to keep players just away from as far as possible. But players are expected to stay in their markets. So if they've got family across the country, they're not able to go home, which is is tough. But at the same time, it it does make sense. But, I mean, we're going to be speaking to to Ben Fisk in in part two, and he's now in Ottawa, but all his family's here in BC. So, I mean, it's tough for players.
2: Yeah, and... um u.s and canada i don't think you can travel to the country now unless you are a permanent resident or a citizen yeah um so i wonder if any players got you know caught on the wrong side of things like like if there was a canadian team with an international player in the states at the wrong time would would the player be able to get back to canada right obviously those aren't things that the league would publicize or anything like that but very likely that's uh it could happen a friend of mine was visiting ireland and is now stuck there <laughs> he, he's over here working on a two-year visa and oh. uh, yeah he can't come home he's had to sort out what to do with his apartment and all that kind of thing
1: it's uh yeah it's not good yeah i've got a a good friend that's gone down to australia his mom had recently died so he booked himself a, a trip of a lifetime went down to australia now he doesn't know if he's going to be stuck down there yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, at MLS and USL, the, the suspension has been extended until May 10th. So there's definitely no games till till May 10th. The USL training moratorium is until April 5th. Players are not allowed to use the training facilities except for like any physical therapy purposes. And CPL, the start of the season there, has been postponed, no time given, which for me is sensible. I, I just think the league's... They shouldn't put dates on it. I just think they should say it's, inspe- it's suspended indefinitely. Once we know more, we'll try and give you more. Yeah, I don't know what the, what
0: the benefit of putting a
2: date there. If you're just going to push it back is... Yeah. Um, no no one can pretend that they know what's going to happen.
1: Well, unless you're a Fox News anchor where you, you say that yeah. there has to be a, 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 an end date given to this.
2: Yes, yes, that was ridiculous. Oh. <laughs> There's been a lot of you know, crap in the last few weeks, but that was... Right up there.
1: Oh yeah, that was right at the top. Now, the CPL Commissioner, David and his statement was, we will continue to work with all authorities in order to make a decision on when to begin our 2020 season, when it is de- declared safe by the relevant health and government agencies, including our governing body, Canada Soccer. And for me, that's the sensible way to do it. It's, it's the only way to do it just now. And the problem is... Because MLS are coming out and saying we're not cancelling any games, it's going to be a full season, ticket money is still being taken from fans because they're still going to have a 34-game season. And there's a lot of folk who can't really afford the tickets just now because they're getting laid off or they're on reduced wages. So the sooner that they maybe come out and say, look, this isn't going to be really feasible, I think it's going to help everyone. Yeah,
0: I
2: I don't see how they can have a full season. still if... um uh, let's say it's June that we're back up and running. That's four months to play out your regular season um, of you know 32 games remaining. That that doesn't seem good from a player player safety or player injury point of view, does it? Like, yeah, I, I think you have to reduce it somehow.
1: Yeah, and that, that's just what I kind of wanted to have a little look at now. And obviously, this is. All speculation, and as I said, we're a football show, so we want to talk about football, and football shows are about speculation. But right now, if everything worked out somehow miraculously and the games returned mid-May, the Whitecaps would be back in action May 16th at home to Nashville. Now, if that happened, they would have lost eight games that would needed to have been rescheduled, and that's very doable. If you went into the 1st of June, though, you're looking at 12 games need to get rescheduled. If you go into the 1st of July, it's 17 games. The 1st of August, 22 games. So it's then completely yeah, un- unmanageable.
2: You might have additional international breaks to resolve those uh, qualification fixtures or something like that. Or if, if the tournaments all get postponed, I guess those could be pushed back a little bit too. But It's part of the consideration, like, national teams will not be happy if they don't see their players for too long, right? They want to continuously assess their players, so that's going to be something to wedge in there as well.
1: And, I mean, looking at how MLS could look, I mean, based on very little than a hunch, if we're back by the summer, I'll, I'll be amazed. So, I mean, you could be looking beyond that. MLS has a bit of scope, in that they could extend the season into November, even into December. I mean, I, I had a look, you could possibly extend it up to Saturday, December 19th, play the MLS Cup then, but I looked at the kind of Western teams and I looked at some temperatures. Now, in the West, you've got three to four teams that would struggle with December games. In Minnesota, you've got a high of minus three and a low of minus 11 and lots of snow. Colorado, Colorado, snow RSL snow lows in the minuses even Kansas City has lows into the minuses as well in the east it's has an absolute complete nightmare I mean apart from Miami and Orlando it would be hard to see how far these games could go and then in the CPL yeah okay. uh, impossible
2: I think what you'd have to do if, if that was the case is you would have to fix the final venue regardless of who you think is in the final so
0: you BC know a, place. Or a stadium or a warm Climate stadium. Atlanta kind of, kind of uh,
2: sticks out as a good option because of the facilities. You'd want it to be somewhere kind of vibrant that uh, even if the home team didn't make it, you could
1: still potentially generate some kind of an atmosphere around us. Yeah. I mean, I, I initially I'd thought BC plays because it was under a roof so it would go on no matter what, but then you've got possibly two American teams trying to get into the border and you still don't know what the border is going to be like and international travel even by that point yeah that could
2: be the all-star game we were
1: promised <laughs> yeah finally. <laughs> finally we get it yeah by default yeah exactly but I mean as you right. talked about it's going to be in a lot more games for the players if they do cr- try to cram a season in that double match weeks I mean I think the sensible thing is to let clubs expand their roster if they've got a USL team let them call the guys up we can call guys up from our residency or development squad it would give you extra numbers and it would be less strain on, on the bodies. Yeah. Uh,
2: personally, like I, I know I know MLS has come out with that statement that they don't want to reschedule any games, but I think if if they were to entertain this idea for a few minutes, there's a pretty sensible solution in just playing your team, just playing teams in your own conference. Yeah. Um, I, I know you lose the um, you know, the big games that you want to see like inter Miami, yes. Um, LAFC or whatever but they, they do intentionally schedule more in um, in conference games towards the end of the season to make the playoff run a bit more interesting you can just take that to the extreme and any games that were missed during the hiatus you just reschedule them in place of out of conference games and things like that because then you could still have your full playoff format in a relatively fair way to do it right it's just those those games that are out of conference that you would, you would bump and yeah. reschedule a few of them here and there just to you know the ones that you really want to keep, MLS, MLS would have no problem doing that. They don't need to pretend that they care about the on field product. They just want to generate the income for those uh, national, nationally
0: televised matches.
1: Yeah, and again, I ran the numbers. And, I mean, the talk coming out of the UK today was they might have folk in lockdown that's vulnerable for, like, three months. So, I mean, that would take you up to, like, July. So, I mean, if it returned in July, you, you could you could do a lot, including a near-full season. Now, if it's conference versus conference, you're talking 24 games and then however many playoffs you want to go with after that. So you've got, for me, up until September to get that done. Because if you didn't start the season until September 1st, that would still give you, and this is still playing into December 19th, which is obviously not ideal, but that gives you 32 possible Wednesday-Saturday matches. After that, it's like impossible to do even interconference things. So you might have to have a knockout cup or something. But I mean July or August, and you think you could have a realistic, decent season. But I mean that just seems so far away right now.
2: Yeah, it's and everything's moving so quickly. It's hard to like it, in two weeks from now, this statement could feel ridiculous because everything has gotten so serious. Yeah, it's things are changing, and this is one of them. Like the the way that we um, foresee the. The rest of the season, it's going to change just as rapidly as all the other factors in people's everyday lives. I
1: think. Yeah, definitely a lot to change, but we'll hopefully still continue to to bring you coverage here on AFTN for as much as we can and try and get you some entertainment. That's so. Totally
2: constant in the world, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean we have we have to. Yeah. I, I've got so many top ten lists and stupid things I can come up <laughs> with. It's fine. Good,
2: good. I have a few ideas too. I'll, uh, I'll uh, drip feed them through.
1: Excellent. So, just before you go, Joe, let everyone know where they can find you online.
2: Uh, you can find me at Joe DC Van on Twitter, um, and also in my home office most of the time, if you want to send a homing pigeon.
1: And when's the next preview podcast?
2: Um, let's pencil it in for mid-July.
1: Excellent. We'll, we'll hold you to that. You're going to have to do one no matter what.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll preview... Um, actually, there's a great YouTube channel where they race marbles. I'll do some preview shows for that one. Um, it's this whole... It actually has a huge following. It's great
1: to watch. I saw someone share that, but I hadn't watched it. I'll check that out.
2: It's great. The guy is very, has it set up very professionally. Um, it's
1: fantastic. Well, thanks for joining us today, Joe. And just keep safe, keep your family safe, and we'll talk soon. Sounds good.
2: Stay safe, everyone. Thank
1: you. Thanks so much to Joe for joining us there. And like I said, I know it's a lot of speculation right now on our part, and so much can change so quickly. But it's just it's worth putting that out there. Football debate is always a great thing to take your mind off things. But that is it for this part. We're going to be talking some CPL chat in part two with Ben 10 himself, Atletico Ottawa's Ben Fisk. We'll be back with that after this.
2: Hi, I'm Marcel de Jong, and you're listening to the AFTN
3: Soccer Show. Till the end of time Oh, this is my island Oh, this is my island We feed the sheep and cut the beans until the day we die
1: Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show That was our Artist of the Month for March Pete and Diesel From Stornoway in the Western Isles in Scotland. And that song was called Island. From the latest album, "Light My Byer. It's also the latest single to be taken from the album. So you can check out a really good video on Pete and Diesel's YouTube channel. Now we're going to call this episode of the podcast Celtic Connections. Obviously I'm from Scotland. Pete and Diesel, they're from Scotland. Joe Deasy, who was in part one, from Ireland. And our next guest spent some time playing in Ireland. He also spent last season playing on an island. Playing with Pacific FC before joining new CPL side Atletico Ottawa as their first signed player. And I'm delighted to welcome back on the show our good friend, Ben 10 himself. It's Ben Fisk. Stuck in his house in Ottawa just now. And first thing to really ask you, Ben, is how are you feeling?
3: I think... uh feeling like the rest of the world right now I think we're all uh, in the same boat you know when it uh, comes to times like this I think everyone's human so whether you're a footballer a banker a teacher whatever it is we're all just uh, you know worried about the health and safety of our loved ones and, and hopefully uh, things can go back to normal pretty soon.
1: And like as a footballer as well I mean football by nature especially as a, a footballer it's a community thing you're used to playing with teammates you're used to having your your teammates around you constantly. You're not really used to to being on your own. H- has it been a little bit weird this past week?
3: Uh, the, the hardest thing for me is just being uh, being away from, from family and, and loved ones. So I think, uh, like I said, in, in times like this, that's kind of it all boils down to just the health health and safety of, of the people you care about. So it's hard to be uh, that isolated from from my family in Vancouver and, and Victoria. But you know, and then ov- obviously professionally. I'd love to be kicking a ball around right now, but, uh, but that's definitely uh, a second uh, afterthought at the moment.
1: And for anyone that doesn't know, Ben and the rest of the Atletico Ottawa team were over in pre-season training in Spain. They had to hurriedly come home, and they, they got home last Monday, obviously then having to go in 14 days quarantine. I mean, looking at being over there in, in Spain when all this was happening, what what was the mood of the players? It must have been quite scary.
3: It was yeah, it was quite unnerving uh, watching things unfold. Uh, you know, I remember the the day that I arrived in Spain. You know, obviously coronavirus was in the news, and and we knew that uh, that Italy had been hit very badly, and um, and and Spain was certainly one of the countries that seemed to be trending uh, in that sort of direction. But uh, you know, within a couple of days of us arriving, that's when, when things really started to hit the fan. So. Uh, it, it definitely boiled down to we, we knew we were going to have to come home, but uh, we we're just hoping we'd be able to get home in time before uh, any borders were shut or, or restrictions were, were put on travel. So l- luckily we we're able to do so.
1: Yeah, but you're home safe now, so that that's the main thing. And I, I said in the first part of our show, we're not really wanting to talk too much about the coronavirus, because it's everywhere just now and it's overwhelming. So want to get into some football chat with you. Yeah, now. I obviously, the c p l season has been delayed. No one really knows when it's gonna get back up and running and I know football takes kind of second place behind all these other things just now, but we are a football show. I mean, talking about your your move to Ottawa, first thing, it's like it it was murmured for a while that you might be on the move from pacific you were you're being touted as probably the one of the top free agents in the c p l was it a time of uncertainty for you or like when did you kind of know that you'd probably be moving on from Pacific?
3: Um, it, it was a bit of a drawn out uh, decision. Obviously coming to the end of the season, being out of contract, uh, I felt I, I'd, uh, I'd had a good season given the circumstances and I definitely wanted to take a step back and, and evaluate all the options and, and make uh, the best decision for myself. Um, was always to, it really was always to stay at, at Pacific. We've been in talks with owners consistently over the off-season, and, and uh, that was always the plan until uh, until Ottawa was announced. And, uh, and then, of course, I kind of took a bit of an interest as uh, they were in contact with me pretty much as soon as they were announced. And, um, you know, they ultimately just sold me on the on the opportunity that, that uh, being a part of the Atletico Madrid family could bring, and you know, just another new project that uh, that I found really exciting and, and in the nation's capital, in, in our nation's league, I thought was
1: a really uh, cool thing to be a part of. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly an exciting time for the club there. It's just a shame so much of it's kind of been derailed kind of initially. But, I mean, you're a BC boy. You've obviously played overseas a lot. You've been in Ireland and Spain and you, you've travelled a lot in your career. I mean, you, you touched on it there, but I mean, how tough, was it to to leave pacific and to, and to leave bc really
2: very very
3: difficult uh you know uh, my my fiance's actually stayed in victoria she's got got a good steady job there so um with the timing of everything it didn't make sense for for her to pack up shop and come with me for yeah. for the nine month season so uh there there was very difficult uh kind of smaller decisions to be made uh in and around just where i was going to be playing but um Ultimately, it kind of came down to I felt like the longer I, I stayed at, uh, at Pacific or, or in DCA, the harder it would have been to leave in the future if uh, if a better opportunity uh, came about. So um, it was one of those ones where I was just thinking about you know where I'm at in my career, and, and I definitely feel like I still have a lot to give to the game, and and uh, that I haven't reached my my potential as a player. So I wanted to make the decision that gave me the the best possibility to to fulfil my, my whole potential and, and see where
1: it could take me. Yeah, I mean, you're saying that. it's I, I forget that you're still a young player because I've watched you play for, for so many years, going back to the, the residency here. And yeah, you've still got a lot of the career to go. And I mean, you've played in Spain before. And obviously, with Atletico Madrid having now the, the ownership of this team, was that a selling point for you as well, knowing that you could have eyes on you from from overseas again?
3: For sure, yeah. I think um, you know I wanted to make the decision that uh, wouldn't necessarily just open one door, but could possibly open you know the the highest number of doors uh, if I if I take care of business on the field. So obviously, with with the network that Atletico Madrid has, um, owning teams in in multiple countries, and yeah. obviously being you know. I think most people would agree they've they're turned themselves into a, into a top ten club in the world at, at this point in time. So, just having that backing and, and that kind of a network uh, behind your employer, I think, is is a pretty exciting prospect for most players.
1: And to to be the the very first signing of a, a football club as well, I mean that must be something special.
3: For sure, yeah. Uh, funny enough, I had no idea that uh, that I was going to be the first uh, <laughs> inaugural signing or anything like that. Um, you know, so so me signing was, was based on what I thought that I could do for my career and and uh, and obviously, you know, coming into a setup that I thought was going to be very professional and very well run. Um, it was something that excited me far beyond, you know, just my, my personal uh, goals. Uh, and then obviously when I found out, uh, I, I it was actually just the day before I was announced that I found out I'd be announced as the, uh, the inaugural signing and that was just the icing on the cake that was obviously... Something I, I was really proud of, and and it was a really fun day when it when it all came out, and, and you know all that all those eyes on you was, uh, was I haven't experienced anything like that before.
1: And the big question that Zach wanted me to ask you was: Are you going to be wearing the number ten shirt?
3: Uh, numbers haven't been uh, announced yet, so uh, <laughs> we'll see. You know, I do love my my little trademark that you guys gave me back in the residency days. I think Ben ten uh, rolls off the tongue pretty nicely. Yeah. Uh, it won't
0: be
1: announced yet, but hoping so, yeah. And I mean, the, the thing with the team as well is not all the signings have have even been announced. I was checking the website and they're hoping to, to announce some more of the signings this week. Obviously, you know who a lot of them are, but you, I know you can't say. But from from the, the spell that you had pre-season, I mean, did you did you even get much time on the pitch as a, as a group?
3: Uh, we had our, our first few days there. Um, we, we did get to train, I think we... Uh, I can't remember exactly, I think four or five training sessions we got to have okay. but, um, until, until things were shut down. You know, what I, what I think uh, we all took from it is, is uh, even one, once we couldn't train anymore, we had a lot of time just united as a team. We were uh, basically quarantined in our hotel and, and you know, with, with no one to rely on but each other. And, mm-hmm. and for a team that kind of was starting behind eight ball in terms of um, the rest of the league, began training, I think, two weeks before we did that kind of time in isolation just as a group, even you know, just as young men not being able to train, but coming together uh, and unifying ourselves as a group, I think we'll, we'll pay dividends later in the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a very unique situation. And folk always know that the pre-season trips are a, a great time for, for team bonding and everything like that. And th- this will certainly have helped. But, I mean, something else, and I, I know it's not... The main thing to think about in a time like this but it also kind of applies to the Whitecaps and MLS this break Whitecaps wise it's going to help the Whitecaps because they're going to get injured players and unfit players back up to speed and be able to compete, now for Ottawa because as you said you just kind of started a couple of weeks behind everyone else this is going to kind of when the season does get underway it, you have to feel it's going to put them more on an even footing with everyone else
3: For sure yeah I think um as you said, that's not the first thing on anyone's mind right now. All that matters, first and foremost, is the health and safety of everybody. But, um, you know, taking it back to a sporting perspective for sure, I think, you know, we'll be slightly less affected than, than the other teams just in terms of the work that they were able to get in, um, especially fitness wise, before we even got started. And not obviously, it's not like we're just staying at home doing nothing. We have our, our home workouts and everything to try and uh, keep as fit as we can. There's only so much you can do in your living room, but uh, you know it, it's just one of those ones where, where you take the cards you dealt, and then uh, and then once we're able to, to get back training as normal, hopefully we'll uh, we'll all taking good enough care of ourselves that we're ready to go.
1: And uh, are you like on your own just now, or are you isolated with any of the other players? Okay, that's good. At least you've got some company and someone to talk to.
3: Yeah, yeah. At least we've got that, and and also it's just uh, you know to keep hold each other accountable. It's uh, it's easy to get pretty sick of doing push ups in your living room, but uh, yeah. if you've got a couple of guys making sure you do it, then you know at least you're all going through it uh, together.
1: Now, the city of Ottawa, obviously, they had the Fury for for many years, and there's a good footballing base there. Have you been to the city much, I mean, How much do you know about the city? Uh,
3: I was uh, lucky enough to play here a couple times with uh, with FC Edmonton, so mm. you know I, I'm not going to say I'm uh, well versed in, in the city and its uh, neighborhoods and stuff, but I obviously took those as uh, those games as o- opportunities to walk around and get to know the nation's capital a bit. So um, I definitely had an idea in my mind before I came that uh, it was you know it's a very beautiful city and. And lots to do, uh, lots of beautiful things outdoors, which uh, coming from BC is, is important to me. You know, So I, I had a bit of a picture in my mind, but uh, obviously I'm really excited to, to get to know it a little bit better once I'm allowed outside the
1: house. Yeah, I've only ever been once, and I, I thought it was a lovely city. It's, it was so picturesque, and walking beside the canal and everything. I mean, I, I hope to get out and, and take a game in at some point. Yeah, that
3: would be incredible. You should. You should. I, I want
1: to go around <laughs> so and... W- welcome I, to a crash with me. I'll take you up on that. I, I've been wanting to to try and get to all the the stadiums, and I was meant to go to Halifax in September, and then we cancelled the trip because my wife wasn't well. So I hopefully will make it out there at some point.
3: Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, uh, you know, uh, again, I haven't been able to go uh, check things out yet. But uh, TD Place, when I played there in the past, was a great venue. Um, you now they've announced they're putting in new turf, which uh, which I think ah. is huge for for uh, for the league. Cause, you know, uh, some players have concerns over over some of the older styles of uh, of turf, and in in especially in the CFL stadiums. So, so that's going to be great for for the football that's going to be played there. And, and uh, you know, obviously with the Fury having been here um, before, there's a, there's a beautiful uh, infrastructure that's already kind of laid out for us. Um, you know, existing fan base, existing stadium, um, and you know, a city that's obviously shown that they uh, appreciate having a football club
2: uh, there to come see.
1: And just the last couple of things, what actually touching that, is the fans, and it's like it is an existing fan base, and one thing which you've had, wherever you've been, it's like, is a good connection with the fans, and not all players have that, not all players are are comfortable interacting with the fans, but it just seems to come so naturally to you. Yeah,
3: I mean, I think it just comes from, uh, you know, growing up, always dreaming of being a footballer and I remember uh going to old whitecaps games at swan garden and uh after every match they usually have a couple guys come out and sign autographs uh for the kids and stuff outside the stadium and I just you know remember uh instances like that where where I was a young kid and, and that two minutes I got to spend with with a player meant the world to me so um especially with the kids you know that's that's I'll always have all the time in the world for them and then um you know as as for for the older population that comes to the games too i think it just uh there's no reason why why uh there should be barriers between athletes and and fans you know at the end of the day we're all human and and uh without the people that come to the stadiums we don't have jobs so um i've always just been very uh, very appreciative of that and and uh you know traveling around the world as well i think i've always been, been interested in meeting new people and and what but what better way to do that than than people that already uh, you know have common interests with me and, and you know whether it's sitting down and talking about football or, or something else it's always something I've really enjoyed.
1: And I saw on Twitter you were even calling some fans up this week. What, what was behind that?
3: That uh, I I can't totally take credit for it because uh, the the club officers asked a few of us to less just with, with all the downtime to make some calls to uh, season ticket uh, deposit holders. Okay, um, that's good though. So I made a few of those. Uh, and, you know, the reactions were, were really nice, and, you know, we, I, I didn't really speak a word about tickets, so I might uh, get a little slap on the wrist for that, but <laughs> I just thought it was a really, really enjoyable uh, way to, to connect with fans that, you know, we obviously haven't even kicked a ball yet, but um, it's an opportunity to, to create a bit of a, a bond before things get going, and um, a couple of people reached out saying how much they appreciated the call on Twitter, and, and you know, I just thought, yeah. I've got all the time in the world right now, so I might as well put out a little open invitation for, for anyone else that might like a personal call to, uh, to personal message me, their their name and number, and, and I'd be happy to, to spend a few minutes talking to, uh, to anyone who replied. So I definitely didn't expect as many to reply as, as they did, but uh, it was a fun afternoon. Um, and, you know, like I said, it's it's I think in a time like this where there's a lot of negative things going around, it, it was an... Nice way to uh, spread a bit of positivity and, and hopefully
1: spread a bit of joy uh, around the, the Athletical Ottawa community. Absolutely, and we certainly all need that just now. And I mean, you've only got one more week of the, the quarantine to go, and then hopefully you can get out and then enjoy some fresh air. Hopefully, we'll see you back in the pitch soon. I don't know when, how long this is going to go on for. It feels like it could still be a while yet, but. Take care of yourself. Thank you so much for chatting us today, Ben, and I look forward to seeing you back out in the pitch soon.
3: For sure. Thank you so much for having me on, Michael. A pleasure, as always. And uh, that invitation stands if you ever uh, make your way out to Ottawa. So we'll be
1: in touch. I will. Always a pleasure to chat with Fisky. So weird to think that I've been watching him play since he was here with the residency in probably 2011, I think would have been the the first time that I saw him. Wish him all the very best in Ottawa, I'm sure he's going to do fantastic there whenever the CPL gets back into action. Now we've had Bear on the show several times over the years, and of course he has, in the past, done our chocolate digestive segment. For anyone wondering, it was a coffee, unless he's with his mum, but she likes a tea. He prefers fruit, but at a push, he'd have a cinnamon bun. So hopefully he's stocked up on those for this little quarantine period that he's in. And I hope that himself and all the Ottawa players don't show any symptoms of anything and they're all super healthy by the end of all this. So if a cinnamon bun is Ben Fisk's choice for the chocolate digestive section, I wonder what the Whitecaps' recent French import, David Milinkovic, would want. Let's find out, shall we? If you're sitting at home yeah. and you decide to have a hot beverage would you go for a tea, a coffee or something else? Oh, After training uh, Anytime After training uh, I love to,
4: to going at home for a little bit recovery and after I take my wife and uh, I'm going to take coffee in the Starbucks a little bit and after I come at home and uh, stay relaxed for the next training because training is very hard Yeah, and uh, we like to stay ready every day yeah, for stay ready every day in the training you have to to be in one good life and after training, uh, good recovery, good heat is more important for, for stay-be-ready, but it's okay. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> now I have the same ritual of the heart after training, I'm going uh, at home, go to take coffee and... Uh,
1: it's okay, it's a little bit the same So like, when you're having a coffee yeah. Obviously in Scotland we're known for not having a very healthy diet yeah. We eat a lot of chocolate and, and biscuits and things like that Did you get a sweet tooth when you were there? Like, Do you like to have biscuits or sweet stuff with your coffee? Uh, <laughs> are, you, are you a healthy guy? I, just, <laughs> I don't
4: know My girlfriend is there, I take with her a little bit But uh, it's okay No.
1: Okay, that's great Thank you so much for your Thank time you. And good Thank luck you. Anyone fancy
0: a chocolate digestive? Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? Even though it sounds suggestive. Anyone
5: fancy a chocolate digestive?
1: David Milinkovic there. Sadly, we'll not have his routine of going to Starbucks continuing for the foreseeable future, but hopefully everyone can get back to some kind of normality soon. At least they're still doing delivery and takeout through Uber Eats, so I recommend that everyone tries to do as much of that as possible. If you can still support some small businesses during this time, try and do that as well, just as much as you can. I know they'll certainly appreciate it in the long run, as will you if they're still in business when we get back out in the streets again. Anyway, that is it for this part of the show. We'll be back with some more fun after this.
6: Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. I've seen the walking dead, so I know what to do On the list. episode of Louis
5: Theroux i got an underground shelter, just in case The world falls apart with the human race Bought loads of to toilet roll, in a fly panic I'm prepared for a bigger shit than the Titanic I know martial arts, I've learned off TV Got caggy combats and homemade weaponry I'm a survivor, I'm a stuck pilot Keep on surviving, some call is guiding I'm a survivor,
0: I'm a survivor i surviving, use hand sanitizer No need to stockpile
4: toilet paper at an alarming rate Cause I'll be doing that shit since 2008 In America, they got tons of guns At least I'll be alright if I guess the run We beat SARS and bird flu too Wash your hands, sing happy birthday to you. Oh, the irony is this how it all ends. At least I've still got Netflix and I can still watch Friends. People think I'm weird, but I
5: know the truth. I've read the forums and I've got the proof. They don't lie or tell a tale. It must be true, it's in the Daily Mail. I'm ready for action like a cold spring for judge for day. And the uprising, I move like a ninja without any fuss. And most of my clothes are army surplus. I'm a survivor, I'm a stunt pilot. Keep on surviving,
1: from one friend of the show to another. Goldie look and chain there with their new song, The Self-Isolation Rap. Just released on Saturday, March 21st. Check out the YouTube video for the, the whole song. Excellent stuff from Newport's Finest. Serial Thrillers 1 and all. And from one kind of serial to another now, which is a horrible segue, but it's the best I can come up with. Because it's now time for part two of our new, weekly, episodic football drama. Last week on It's Tough for the Son of a Soccer Star. Dick Denby, a promising young footballer, was hoping to make the grade with Bractown United. He sent a letter to them, asking for a trial, but I hadn't heard back. Dick's dad used to play for Bracton United. But doesn't talk about it, and says that he had to give up playing because of an injury. But there does seem to be something mysterious about his unwillingness to talk about it. What could this mysterious secret be? Meanwhile, Dick has ended up at Bracton United Stadium, finding a way inside to watch training, and somehow he has got himself involved in it. Could this be his big chance for a trial, and to make the grade with Bracton? Find out in part two on It's Tough for the Son of a Soccer Star. The other players and the two trainers, glad of a breather, stood watching. Dick quickly bent down and tucked his trousers into his socks. Then he darted onto the field just as Andy Masters flung the ball across to him. The ball was waist high when it reached Dick, but he checked it neatly with his body and allowed it to drop down to his feet. Next moment, he was hearing down the wing, the ball bobbing at his feet as if tied by string. Two players moved in towards him. Dick slowed, fainted to pass to his right, and then darted between them. Before they could recover, Dick was racing on with the ball dancing at his toes. Now the great Andy Masters was in front of him, challenging to tackle. Three yards away from the famous winger, without checking his speed, Dick raised his left foot. Andy Masters, fully expecting that a young novice would try to swerve and failed, moved that way. It was a mistake. Next moment, Dick changed feet, and with a perfect body swerve, slid past his famous opponent, with the ball barely half an inch from the touchline. Nice work, grinned Andy Masters. Then he uttered an exclamation of admiration as he turned, just in time, to see Dick Denby hit the ball hard with his left foot. The ball sailed high into the centre, straight to the feet of the centre forward who had all the time in the world to crash it, first time, into the back of the net. That swift movement brought a cheer from the players as Andy Masters rushed up to Dick and patted his shoulder warmly. That was terrific, he cried. Do you think you could do it again? I'll oh, have a good try, said Dick happily. The goalie fished a ball from out of the net, and at a signal from Andy, punted it back to Dick. The young footballer repeated his run along the wing, though this time he beat Andy Masters with a different trick. There was another cheer for Dick, but this was quickly interrupted by a booming voice from the grandstand. Bob, grab that lad, and bring him to my office straight away. I want to have a talk with him. That's manager Joe Danvers, grinned Andy Masters. Boy, you're made. When he shouts for a player like that, it means he really wants him. Trainer Bob Warner, smiling warmly, approached Dick. And a minute later, feeling very excited, the young footballer was being escorted from the field and along to a corridor. Then onto a door marked manager. In a matter of seconds, Dick was inside the office and gazing round at the trophies which adorned the shelves. In the place of honour over the fireplace was a large but fading photograph of the Bracktown United team, which had battled through to Wembley and won the FA Cup 20 years before. Joe Danvers, beaming, was sitting behind his large desk. He came straight to the point. "'Well done, young fellow,' he said. "'I don't know how you came to be out on the ground just now.' but that doesn't matter. How would you like to sign on as an amateur for the United? You'd have to start in the reserves, of course, but after what I've just seen of you, it wouldn't be very long before you were challenging for a place in the first team. What do you say? Will you sign? Dick was so thrilled that he could hardly speak, but at last he found his voice. You bet I will, sir, he cried. There's nothing I want more. Then... Just as Doe Danvers was pulling out a printed form from his desk, the door flew open and the assistant trainer, Fred Bagley, burst into the room. Mr Danvers, he cried, if you're thinking of signing this lad, then don't! What was behind Fred Bagley's outburst? Will Dick be able to sign this amateur form that he's dreamed of? And what will his dad say when he finds out that both father and son have been with United? Find out all this and more. In part 3 of AFTN's Soccer Serial, It's Tough for the Son of a Soccer Star, by Edwin Dale. That was It's Tough for the Son of a Soccer Star? by Edwin Dale, taken from the 1959 Roy of the Rovers annual. What's going to happen next? Well, you're going to have to tune in next week to find out. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. I thought this was meant to be primarily a Vancouver Whitecaps podcast. There's not been much Vancouver Whitecaps stuff in this episode. Yeah, you're right. We had hoped to have a lot more. Some things didn't quite work out this week as we had hoped for. Fingers crossed though that we'll get some stuff sorted out in this coming week and we'll have some more Whitecaps content in next week's show. So what I thought I would do is dig a little bit into the archives, a pretty recent archive, and a chat that I had in the off-season with Whitecaps centre-back Jasser Kamiri. Now Jasser's English, it's so-so for having a sort of small conversation with him. But for doing interviews, he's not really able to to do interviews in English. So normally on the show, we don't really like to bring you too many of the kind of translated interviews because it doesn't make for, for good listening sometimes when you're asking a question, it's getting translated, it's in different languages, and then the translation always seems to lack something you get an answer that lasts for possibly a minute and then the English translation lasts for about 10 seconds. So it's not always the best. But we did get a chance to sit down with Jasser Kimiri after the end of the 2019 season and before the 2020 pre-season got into full flow. Now, we brought you that interview as a written piece on the website, aftn.ca, back on January 17th. But we've never actually played the audio on the show. As I sat down with Jasser, just to talk to him about his move to MLS, the difficult year he had with all the injuries, and and just him looking forward to the 2020 season, which, of course, has been curtailed at the moment. Some interesting stuff in that interview, though, and I know a lot more folk listen to the podcast than, than read the written stuff on the site, so I thought we'd bring that to you in this episode. So what we've done for it is we've got me asking the questions to Jasser, the translation for this interview is done in Arabic by Whitecaps goalkeeping coach Youssef Daha. So I've cut out him asking Jasser the, the questions in Arabic, kept in Jasser's replies, and then the translation into English. Hopefully you don't find it too off-putting and you find it an enjoyable listen. So let's hear now, from Whitecaps centre-back, Jasser Kimiri. It's been a, a tough first year in Vancouver recovering from the injury how, how are you feeling
6: now
4: mm-hmm.
6: he's in the beginning when he came here and he stay inside the outside the field he's, he's feel very uh, very tough it's tough for him because he's not uh, he's not uh, in the part in the team because he's injury. And bit uh-huh. the He's he's uh, he likes to to stay with the team in the beginning, but he's angry But now he's uh, he's good for to to back and he feel uh, much better.
1: Is, is it disappointing that now that you are healthy, there's no games? Then you have to now wait until March to to play.
4: Yeah. أنا أنا ومن كل ما معايا ما نهار ما هذا حم for this year
6: is a forget for this year now is still focus for the next year and now is a very focus for next uh, next season and uh, with this year is, uh, is tough with the player, but outside, a uh, lot of people help him uh, mentally and physically with the physio and doctor and this. He feels very, very uh, good with that.
4: <laughs>
6: and he said uh, he wants to thank uh, the, the, uh, the medical staff uh, to help him this year.
1: Uh, he made his debut in LA. That was going to always be an exciting time playing his first game. But to play in a game and to mark a player like Zlatan, mm-hmm. was that did that make it extra
4: special? Mm-hmm. Okay.
6: He said, uh, for him, uh, it's not a matter with the who he's playing. He's a he's a, prof- a professional player, and Zlatan's professional player he's uh, there uh, another player he's playing like, uh, the, same, uh, the same way What
1: made him decide to come over to MLS and to Vancouver it's obviously a big decision to make a move from your home country what made him decide that he wanted to come here
4: he
6: said uh, everyone uh, like to come here to MLS to play in MLS because the MLS is ground here uh, after years and that uh, that uh, he knows the league and he, he thinks to come one day in MLS and uh, this uh, opportunity is coming for him and he's here now.
1: He's had a year watching the league and the play, how has he found the quality here compared to what he was used to back in (laughs) Tunisia?
6: شنو هو الفرق
4: ما عندنا برش انت دار عندنا برش ملابيه في تونس طورت من زمان مش خالد
6: is uh Tunisia is in league uh, you know is old league and they have more experience when they playing and the, it's sure he it said the uh, MLS is younger young uh, leagues only 25 uh, but in the in, in the Tunisia is 100 years and the player, you know, and the, the play is fast. Uh, they have this culture football, and uh, yeah.
1: Mark speaks very highly of him and what he is going to bring to the team next season. For people that haven't seen him play, what does he think he can add to this team to make them better next year? <laughs>
6: For him, it's not uh, what he give more, but uh, he wants to back what the the coach give him and what the, the, the club give him, and he put hundred percent in the field every every game. That's great.
1: Just a community there. And I think one of the big disappointing things about the MLS season being curtailed right now, well one of the many disappointing things about it being curtailed right now, is Jasser had a pretty shaky preseason, Still finding his feet, still trying to get some chemistry with Derek Cornelius, the first game against Sporting Kansas City wasn't fantastic either, but that second game of the season, the 1-0 win down in LA, Jasser, Kamiri... Andy Rose, that was a really good partnership together. I liked what they did. Rose seemed to really calm down Jasser's play and I I thought Camille was excellent in, in that game. He was maybe just starting to find his feet, get some rhythm, which is what is important in any player, especially when they've been out with an injury. And then just as he's getting that, just as he's getting into his stride, now he's got another long break ahead of him as we've talked about in recent episodes of the show, it's definitely going to be a very interesting centre-back battle once we are fully back in and running. And it's really up for grabs just now as to to who those two starting centre-backs are going to be. But Kamiri does definitely seem to be one for the the future for the Whitecaps. Matt DeSantis very high on him when we've spoken to him in the past. But from one for the future, to a nod to the past now. Yes, it's wavelength time, everybody. And Football Violence Awareness Month continues here on AFTN. And for this week's song, we're going back to the 90s. Well, we're also going back to the 80s. It's a song by English punk band Cox Sparra. You can find it on their 1992 Rarities album. You can also find it on the 1998 album, which is where I've got this one from. Trouble on the Terraces. 16 classic football anthems or 18 if you get it on the CD version that was released later on. A lot of top tunes on that album. A lot of them have played in wavelength and during Football Violence Awareness Month, past and present. And this week, it's the title track. From Coxsparra, this is Trouble on the Terraces. One, two, three, four. <coughs> Say Sparrow there with Trouble on the Terraces. Punk band from the East End of London, formed in 1972 before punk was even a thing, and still going strong to this present day. If you wonder where the name comes from, it's kind of like from the Cockney phrase, all right, me old Cock Sparrow, kind of like a cheeky little chappy. And fun fact, well, fun to me, the band Cock Sparrow, one of their more famous songs was "Take 'em All, which is a song sang by the Timbers Army and you'll be very familiar with it if you've listened to Timbers games, been down at Piggy Park. It's the one that goes, Take him all, take him all, put 'em up against the wall and shoot him. So you decide, what's got the nicest lyrics? That or Trouble in the Terraces? We've got one more song in Football Violence Awareness Month to come next week, but we'll be back talking Football Manager, the game... After this, hi, I'm Carl Valentine.
6: You're listening to the AFTN podcast.
5: Time to play the game. Time to play the game.
0: all about the game, and I you play it, all about control, and if you can take it, it's all about your debt, and if you can play it, it's all about pain, and who's gonna make it? I am the game, you don't wanna play me, I am control, No way you can shake me, I am heavy debt, no way you can pay me, I am the pain, and I know you can't take me.
1: Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show, that was Motorhead, and the game which you can find on some versions of their 2002 album, Hammered. But if you're a wrestling fan, you'll be more familiar with it as the entrance music for Triple H in WWE. You can find it on a few of the WWE wrestling music compilation CDs. Still a fantastic song. And it is all about the game and how you play it. And with so many of us now having a lot of free time on our hand... A lot of attention is turning to playing games. Football games, board games, computer games. On last week's show, we asked listeners what they were doing to kind of fill their football void that they've got for the, the coming weeks and months now. One of the top answers in that was playing Football Manager. I know that I myself downloaded the game. Haven't really had time to start Properly playing it yet, have a, had a little bit of a dabble with it. Good results so far with me taking over as the manager of East Fife. And I'm sure a lot of people bought and downloaded the game once all the, the news broke that there wasn't going to be any football for them to watch. Adding to those numbers as well, it was revealed this week that you could download the game and play for free for one week on Steam from the 18th of March to the 25th of March. And I know from my Twitter timeline and Facebook timeline, so many people have been doing that. So with that in mind, knowing there's a lot of newbies like myself playing the game, we thought we'd get a football manager aficionado on the phone. And what better guy to do it than the voice of the Victoria Highlanders, Rituro. Pleasure to talk to you again, Rituro. You as well,
5: Michael. I need to talk to you again.
1: Yeah, it's definitely been a while. And I have billed you there as being a football manager aficionado, because uh, from all the guys I know that play the game, you definitely have so much knowledge from just seeing you tweet about it and some chats we've had before. How long have you been actually playing the game for? I've
5: been playing it since it was still called Worldwide Soccer Manager in North America. So, for whatever reason, in their infinite wisdom, Sports Interactive decided that the only way to get. To that in North America was to call it Worldwide Soccer Manager. Mm. So my first experience as a football manager was Worldwide Soccer Manager 2009. That was the year when I first because uh, I've been casually following the white caps down in their USL days. They used to show up every so often on like TV or whatever. I've always been like huh, soccer you say. it just so happened that this just popped up in my recommended games list and I saw a demo of it and Uh, The demo led to the full game, and that led to where we are 11 years later, 11, 12 games later.
1: And what is it about the game that, that makes you kind of love it so much? What is it that kind of hooked you on it?
5: What hooked me immediately was the amount of depth in such a very, for me anyway, accessible presentation. You're given the ability to do practically what you want, wherever you want to do it. And yeah. with the ability of having, now in the modern version of the game, workshop supports, you can have fan leagues put in. Uh, before the Canadian Premier League was officially added, there was a well, very well-done fan version. People would just drop in and do a theoretical Premier League, which was really fun. And the ability to have that kind of detail, as it really makes you the center of attention as you're building the squad of your dreams. I, I love that organic storytelling nature I it. Mean, you know, I'm the commentator for, for soccer, like you said. I love storytelling. I love building something from nothing. My favorite genre of game is city builder. The number of variations of SimCity that I have on my computer is somewhat embarrassing. <laughs> but the, the ability to build something and tell that thing's story is so, so appealing to me. So to get that in soccer form and to say, what was my first card? But Exeter. Exeter had just gotten promoted to League two and uh, yeah sure that looks like fun and my first pre-season game we let in two own goals i immediately cut the defender who let them in and the press savaged me for days for it And i was like all right i need to learn how to play this game because that was horrible and i loved every minute of
1: it yeah it's i mean i've just started playing it again i hadn't played it for many many years and i like a lot of people, I, I've downloaded it just now. I'm I'm deciding to to get into it to kind of fill this time. I mean, you've played a lot over the years. Do you do you think you're going to find yourself playing even more now, or do you think you'll just kind of keep it at the same levels? i would going to
5: be playing everything a bit more now, with a, a little bit more time at home to have. I did. What really got me playing uh, this year's edition, Football Manager Twenty Twenty. What got me playing M Twenty more is that the what they added in 2019 and made it more responsive. So the combination of making everything in m 20 play a little better, plus having more time to actually play it, I think there's definitely going to be a little more time spent with my uh, back-to-back spring season winning Pacific FC.
1: Oh, excellent! So you did you did better than the proper team then with Pacific, yeah? Oh,
5: it's, uh, it's amazing what you can do when you can get melicosia. Like, uh, stand uh, tall at the back line for an entire season. Plus, Caden uh, Chung and uh, Alexander Chabacor are just in football manager. The, the game loves their potential on upside. Ooh. And when it rolled the dice to determine how high they could throw, that number was uh, high. So uh, we are running rampant with this squad. I love it.
1: Now, I'd, I'd wanted to get it for a couple of years and everyone was like, oh no, you're just going to lose time to it. And I'd been so busy with other stuff that I decided not to in the end. But I've got it now. A lot of other people as well are thinking about it. I know a lot of folk already have it. Folk are thinking about it. There's the great chance that you can try it at least for, for a week free right now as well. So if anyone was on the fence and thinking, should should I go for this? How would you sell it to them? What, what is it that that you would say to them yeah you really want to go and download this
5: yeah the, the first thing I would say to somebody is well do you watch matches I do okay um, have you ever sat there and gone what is the manager thinking why why wouldn't you make that stuff now why why are you always bringing up a four-two-three-one and bringing people off at the 60th minute every game not the main game <laughs> if if that's the kind of attitude you have towards a live game what if I could give you a game where you make those decisions you want to play information? Fine, don't You think you could get, I don't know. You think you could get uh, Porto to win Champions League over Bayern? Fine, prove it. Go. No. You think you could win uh, the treble with uh, Vancouver? Fine, try it. If the ability to actually. It doesn't matter if, if, if you think, put your money where your mouth is. That's that's really attractive. And i am even seeing people on Twitter picking up this free trial. And coming to that conclusion. I think it was uh, Russell Beresford who uh, took over her a little bit. And that was my first thought. Okay, okay, Mr. Beresford, you, you think you can do better? I'd, I'd like to see this. <laughs> and that's. Uh,
1: Yeah, I mean, from my early playing about with it, I can't believe just sort of how complex it is, and it it goes into everything. And but like before we get into that, I mean, you've been playing it for a while. What, what would you say has been your your own personal biggest career highlights from playing it? I remember right, the GTFC thing came in, I think it was for the 2015 Voyagers Cup. That's right. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been crazy, like, how that's kind of caught on, and United things as well, and... Thought on my unemployed career. so I'd worked my way up slowly to get to Grimsby, and repaid the board's faith by getting them permanently That that still stands out to me to this day as one of my real academic career highlights. Like. For for newbies, like I I downloaded it about a week or so ago because we we've been having chats. A couple of us, yourself included, are, are going to be having a kind of mini competition. So I've downloaded it. So when I downloaded it. Uh, it came with the two versions of it. It came with the full version, and it came with Football Manager Touch, which seems to be a bit of a, a reduced version. What What's the main differences with that, and what, what would you recommend for a newbie to start off with? You, you
5: hit it right there, my way. Right? The Touch version of FM is stripped down, and be taken on the go. It's got a lot of the higher-end, sort of nitty gritty of managing a football club, and it lets you be the manager still, just to do the line-ups and players and doing your scouting and all that it's much more meant for either a tablet
0: or a phone. Right. So that just
5: full version where you are doing everything, it is tempting to say play like the stripped-down version and you like it. I would argue go for the full version first, but play in a room that you don't know. The reason is you're not going to be blinded by any biases that you might have over the players. So for example, uh, the I started playing with Exeter back in uh 709. I was play I tried to play with Chef United at, at that point in my life, that was my English club. Everyone has an English club, right?
1: Yeah. And I
5: played with them and I thought, okay, well, I know most of these players, and I'm pretty sure it's fine. I could not to the life of Any biases you don't have, or I don't know left to right in English football. Mm. Focus on learning the fundamentals. Sort focus on learning how A connects to, to B. If I tell this person to do that, will they actually do it? And you can do it in a very, a very consequence environment, especially if you're playing at a lower league. There the name of the people who manage at lower leagues are called lamours. Lower league management, lamas, glamour. and glamours are difficult if you're trying to do it for real. But if it's just to get the feet wet, just to practice, just to see how everything sort of connects. it is a great way to learn the whole game. So uh, a prime example, and I know this will appeal to you, Michael. East Falk, a uh, Scottish League Two,
1: fourth tier. Le- League one, third tier. Oh. Yeah, that might be a problem. But for anybody else
5: who's trying to find their, their footing in the game, going into Scotland, going into League One or League Two, picking a club and getting a handle on the fundamentals is a fantastic way to get into it. The Tutorials in the game have improved every year, and running through the basic tutorials on a club you don't know will really set you up, especially if you
1: really want to make that next step to a bigger club. Yeah, I was going to ask you about tutorials and stuff because i I've. I've... into. I started playing it and like I do with most games that I buy I've not read any manuals about it I'm just really bad Whenever I buy any game I just put it in And then try and figure it out Now would you recommend that a newcomer Does either read the manual The tutorials or maybe even watches An online video or two just to get the swing of things There are fantastic
5: FM uh, YouTube and Twitch streamers Out there who have put together Very good guides for newbies, And certainly like us,
1: I mean, obviously it's a very complex game and there, we could be on for hours talking about t- tips and things, but some things I just kind of wanted to pick your brain was, was like any tips you've got for like sort of building, building a team, like tactics to play and, and just really just general gameplay. Interesting, because I, when I first picked my team in the first half, I went with a different formation and it wasn't really working because I was trying to go for wing play and I didn't really have wingers in the squad. Then I, I did switch to a four-four-two diamond, and it was a way way better second half. And in my first couple of games, and yeah, interesting.
5: The more that Football Manager has evolved as a, as a series and a game, the more it it's been a little more intelligent about how it handles positions. So now if you're Like you said, the game will recognize Anyway, just doing nothing. So save your money, pay low, take your time to splash the cash into into a formation that
1: works, and you can avoid a lot of those uh, embarrassing mistakes. That's very good t- tips there. And I mean, obviously, you players are—they're going to make some big mistakes. Oh, yeah. What would you say is like apart from a bit overspending, like you've just said? What what is one of the biggest mistakes that that you can make?
5: No. <laughs> uh, the one that I find, I found, I was making a lot in the newer versions of FM. You have the ability now, as the manager, this is an actual little you on the touchline now, which I find is a neat little thing. Um, you can shout at the players to provide some advice.
1: Mark DeSantis is a good example.
5: Fantastic example, absolutely. The game doesn't quite like that. It it depends a lot on your manager's
1: I think this has really probably helped a lot of folks that, that are listening to it. And if anyone hasn't downloaded it yet, you've still got a couple of days to download it, try it out, see if it is for you. One thing that I have found, though, just from my initial playing, that I mean, despite not having football and stuff to watch, I've been working on other projects at the moment, so I haven't had tons of free time to really delve into it yet but it does definitely seem quite a time-consuming game. If someone was wanting to sit down in the full mode and and play, I don't know, a full season, how long would that take? Are they better doing it over a few days, or should they just allocate a few hours? Because it it does seem very time-consuming when you're first starting off.
5: It does, and especially right off the bat, the first few days of any brand new save file are going to be the longest few days you've ever played. So... You will be assessing all your staff and your players and your tactics. And now in this version of the game, the club culture and the vision that you have with the board, there's going to be so much foundation building to happen that your first session, you might not even need the pitch for a friendly, let alone start. The mm-hmm. So depending on what league you're in and depending on how many teams are in that league, you could get through a season at like breakneck speed. You could maybe get through a season in I would say a week. Okay. Um, now that's assuming you play an average size league, you're allowing your assistants to do the majority of the lifting for the club and you are just fast forwarding to each match and playing it through. Mm. Um, if you wanted to take your time and like really well, like I do and it's sort of obsess over the details and thought, Okay, do I want Alexander Rojabur here or should I make swap with Alexander Gonzalez or no, 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 Campbell, should I switch his wing or put him back up top? Uh, oh, by the way, side note, on my Pacific file, Field Bear was cut by the Whitecaps, so Stephen Campbell and now my strike partners up front. It's amazing.
1: Oh, wonderful.
5: Um, it's, it's, oh, my God, best pickup I ever made. I Yes, Bear went cold for 16 matches, but he was helping. That was the important part. The point is, I, it is, do not expect that you can power through a season in a weekend, would be my, would be my expectation. There's a lot of stuff to look at in this game, and certainly a lot of stuff that it will behoove you to become familiar with so that you can play the game that much easier. Yeah. So I would say that you have a free week, which is fantastic. That's enough time to get three quarters of the way through, let's say, an English season, which is great. That's enough time for you to figure out if you like what you're playing, you'll have learned something along the way, great. If you wanted to like power through, the apertura or clausura in maybe South America or Central American League, yeah, sure, why not? Uh, if you wanted to do like a full European campaign with Bayern from start to finish, including their season and all their cups, you, um, you might want to carve out a couple of weeks for that one.
1: Good to know. Thank you so much for, for joining us and giving us all these tips, Rituro. Now, apart from obviously playing football manager... Where can people find you online?
5: They can find me online on Twitter at guy, and hopefully in the very near future, my uh, greater Esquimalt Scholar will playing against you in football manager, Michael.
1: Yeah, and hopefully we'll be also hearing you at some point doing Victoria Highlanders games again. Are, are they planning on on streaming their PCSL games this year? Because if anyone doesn't know, the Highlanders have dropped out of USL for this season. But if the PCSL season goes ahead, is the plan, do you know, to, to stream these games?
5: I haven't been told no, so I'm crossing my fingers and hoping yes. Uh, but obviously it's going to depend entirely on, you know, the world right now. I think there's, yeah. a, there's a much larger presence than soccer kind of looming over all of us right now. So once that is, you know, once our lives start getting back to normal, we'll probably get a clearer answer on that.
1: That's great. Look forward to hearing you, look forward to talking to you soon, look forward to playing against you at Football Manager. Thanks so much for your time tonight, Rituro. Have a good evening. Thanks so much to Rituro there. Always a pleasure catching up with him. And apologies for the sort of poor sound quality in the middle of that. Not really sure what happened with her phone call, but started off good, finished good, but there was a little bit of a a dip in the quality in the middle. Hopefully you could make out everything that Rituro said there, so as there was a lot of good advice, especially for newbies that are just playing football manager for the first time, or, like myself, the first time in a number of years. But that is it for tonight's episode of the AFTN Soccer Show. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter, at AFTN Canada, On YouTube, at AFTN Canada. Don't forget to like and subscribe. You can also find us on Instagram, at AFTNSoccer. Don't forget as well, you can also subscribe to our extra podcasts. There's still extra time. And at this tough time for journalism and just in general, where there's a lack of work all around for myself, any donations or subscriptions to the podcast or whatever, would be very greatly appreciated. We've also added a new feature onto AFTN.ca. We can just click a button. It says, buy me a coffee and donate some coffee money. All donations, no matter how big or small, greatly received at this time. But we will be back next week with another AFT and Soccer show. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care. Look after each other. Stay indoors. And wash your hands. Bye, everybody. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget.